Welcome to the Selling from the Heart podcast, your home for authentic, effective, and socially integrated sales strategies to help you master the art of selling. Join your co-hosts, Larry Levine and Daryl Amy, along with some of the world's best sales thought leaders and practitioners as we explore ways to help you grow your sales. And welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Your co-host, Daryl Amy, here today with Larry Levine. What's going on, Larry? Yeah, everything's going on. I, I mean, I can't wait to dive into our guest and, and, and start the podcast. I'm just, I'm absolutely jazzed being that I'm a diehard, true to the moon, LA Dodger fan. This is going to be a great podcast, Daryl. Yeah, no, no doubt. I'm really excited about our guest today. And uh, it's going to be a fantastic discussion. If you're new to the podcast, by the way, welcome. You've joined a growing community of sales professionals that are dedicated to being genuine, being authentic, bringing real value, doing the hard work. We call it selling from the heart. And when we talk about hard work and champions, I don't think there's anybody better to bring to talk about this topic than our guest today, Larry. Why don't you, why don't you welcome our guest? No, I, I will. And, and I look forward to introducing Dana, but you know, I got a chance to meet Dana through a good buddy of ours, Scott McGregor, and, and a project that he was working on, you know, Standing O. So that's kind of how I became familiar with Dana. But Dana Cavalier is the, is the author of Habits of a Champion, for one, great book, and I know we'll talk about it. But he's also the past, he's the director, he used to be the director of strength and conditioning and performance for the New York Yankees. So without further ado, I'm absolutely ecstatic to welcome Dana Cavalier on to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Awesome, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And this is true, and this is true drive time, Dana, because I know you're in your car, so... 100%. Now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're glad you're here. And I know you coach, uh, you coach some of the top athletes in the world. You now coach some of the top performing professionals in the world as well. And, and I know you're going to add a ton of value to our audience and I, I appreciate that. But I'm curious, as we get started today, Dana, when you hear the word selling from the heart, you know, what does that mean to you? What does that kind of strike up in your heart? Yeah, well, when I hear that, the first thing I think about is playing with heart, you know, because, you know, selling with heart, playing with heart, you know, for years, you know, in competitive sports, it's very easy to see a guy that's, you know, either playing for the money or just kind of going through the motion. But you could always spot that player that plays with passion and, and plays with, you know, truly every ounce of their heart and every ounce of their being. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all root. We all we all root for those players. We want to see those players do really well. And um, you know, oftentimes we see those players rise above even players that may have more talent than them. So when you play with heart, when you sell with heart, your chances for organic elevation really, um, you know, go way up. Oh man, that's so strong. <sighs> <laughs> all right we're done no i'm just no, kidding that was a that was a great mic drop because how, how you know in, and i'll throw a little sales context on this one is how many out there you know talk about how they sell from the heart um they might speak from the heart and all that but i love how you phrase this is how many play with heart and that's just that's that's spot on yeah, you know, Larry, there's so yeah. many, there's there's like so many parallels between sales and sports, meaning that, you know, there are very few careers 
where there's a true winner and a, a true loser. I mean, there's, you know, at the end of the day, you're either, you either win or you don't. And I thought it was really interesting in your book. And by the way, this book habits of a champion, if you're listening to the podcast, you haven't got this book, hit pause, go to Amazon, buy the book or wherever you buy books. It's phenomenal. And the first, uh, first chapter of the book I thought was, you know, it really kind of caught me off guard, but as I read it, it started to make sense in the first chapter, you said you've got to hate losing more than you love winning. Unpack that for us a little bit. Yeah, so listen, if you were to go around a room and ask everybody in the room, hey, do you, do you love to win? You know, nobody's going to say, no, I don't like to win. I'm sorry, I really don't like to win. Everybody's going to say, yeah, I love to win. Right. But ultimately, you know, when you start to see the people that make it, and again, I'm fortunate enough to have been around guys in sports and in business, you know, many of those people come from a place of hardship. They come from a place of potentially down and out. And they have to overcome themselves first in order to be successful at what it is that they do. But ultimately, in that quest to overcome their, themselves, you know, they develop a little bit of a chip slash um, elevated expectations that they have for themselves that they're always trying to um, meet, chase, and even exceed. Mm-hmm. And that person is, is driven and motivated in a much different way than the person that constantly needs to listen to, you know, motivational tapes and motivational videos and, you know, um, external factors or external modalities to get them going. This yeah. person that hates to lose, there's something in them driving them every single step of the way, every single day. And I found that to be a really strong differentiator between, um, you know, those that, uh, you know, love to win and ultimately those that really play for a much different game. Yeah, no, and, and it's interesting because I, lo- I look back, Dana, on my whole sales career, and one of the things, and Daryl knows this, is I was 10 times harder on myself than anybody else was just because, A, I hated to lose, and I, and I knew that losing is a part of sales to begin with because, you know, you can't bat a thousand all the time in sales. But, yep. You know, and it was and it was that tribe that kept me going. And I used to tell any sales manager that I ever worked for, I said, nobody's gonna no is no one's gonna push them as hard as I'll push myself. And and nobody should have to. So it's like I talk work with a lot of CEOs and some of them complain about their team. And I say, Listen, if you gotta go down there and motivate your people to sell, you're better off just going down there and firing them. Because if you need to be motivated to sell and you're you know, um, title sells, says salesman, VP of sales, SVP of sales, or, you know, you have to sell, you know, as a part of your job, if you need motivation, then you're in the wrong job. Yeah. Brutal truth, but it's the truth. It is. I, you know, every year I get these calls in January for these like sales kickoff meetings and, you know, can you come in and fire up my team? And it's like, listen, guys, you know, we can't just do it in January. You know, we were thinking about January as the fire and kick off the year. But ultimately, what are you guys, what are you doing every day? And think about how hard it is to motivate somebody every single day. That's why you got to find people that, that, that come to the table already motivated. You know, it's like, you know, you're buying a BMW, you know, you, there's going to be leather in that. I want a salesperson that I know is going to sell. Yeah. They have the it factor. They have the ability. And the faster you could sort through your own people to make sure that they have that it factor, 
the better off you're going to be. Um, but again, <laughs> you talk to sales leaders all over the place. They want more sales, sales. My team's not selling. It's like, well, you know, first look at yourself, make sure you hire the right people. Mm. Yeah, no question. So I'm curious though, if you look at, you know, if you were talking to a sales sales rep that said, okay, Dana, I, I, I want to, you know, I want to stoke that fire inside me. Um, I'm, I'm curious, you know, the parallels from the sports world over to what you think a sales professional can do to really stoke the fires of motivation. Yeah. So, you know, in sports, I always say our end results or, or our desires are very clear. So our mission, vision, and goal is very simple. It's very clear. Win the World Series, right? Anything right. short of that is a fail, is, is a fail. So ultimately, you know, when I talk to people in sales or in business, I say, hey, what's winning mean to you? How have you defined winning for yourself? And what's winning for your organization? And you'll be amazed at how many people can't answer that question. They can't answer it. What does winning mean to you? What does winning mean to your organization? And there's usually a moment of silence, um, which is really mourning because it's sad that you can't <laughs> identify what, what it is that winning is to you. How could you win if you don't know what it is? Let's, let's take a moment of silence and shed a tear because you have no goals. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I keep, it, you know, if you really do think about it, yeah, it is a, a bit, a bit sad, and, and um, that's why I feel it's so important to lay out what winning means to you. If you're the person that leads the sales organization, you know, help your people define what winning means to them individually, and show them what it means to win as a team and what the goals are for that company, that or or that organization. And that's the first step because now you've created clarity. And from that point, no one could ever say, Hey, I, I didn't know, or it's all laid out there. Yeah. And the other thing is too, I always found it's important to link the individuals to the big company goal, but it's also important to show them how victory in achieving the company goal can help them achieve some of their personal goals. Mm -hmm. um, so we have, we have to show everyone how they're by doing this, you'll achieve that. And, and when you can kind of put that whole package together for people, the buy-in becomes a lot more, um, you know, becomes a lot deeper. Yeah. I think that whole thing about understanding your goals is really, really strong because in sports, you know, as you said, the goal is winning the world series, you know, if you hit it and you know, if you didn't hit it in the world of sales, it's a lot more, um, it's a lot, uh, if you don't have solid goals, it's a lot more foggy, right? Did I, did I hit it or not? So you need to walk into a, a season, a year, a quarter, knowing exactly what you're, what you're aiming for and what, you know, what the what's your world series? What, what's the win look like for you? Otherwise, you know, otherwise it's never enough or it's lazy time because I'm, I'm doing great. You know, lack of clarity yeah. on goals, huge. Uh, so strong. I, I think it's 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 also somewhat of a chronic situation. You see it, you know, over and over again. And that's why also I'm such a believer in you know managers, people that manage salespeople. Mm -hmm. You should make it your business to know what a person's personal goal is, oh right? Because then you can incentivize them and say, "Hey, come on, let's go." Remember, this is what you're going after mm -hmm. personally. We're not just talking about business and. I think you see that out of players, you know, when they're in a contract year, all of a sudden they play out of their shoes and they have the best year of their 
career potentially, you know, when you're Bryce Harper or you're Manny Machado and you're sitting on 300 to 330 million, um, sometimes that becomes the best season of your life because you're so focused on that personal goal mm-hmm. and you know, it's, it's right there. So it's very similar. Well, no, and, it, and it's interesting, Dana, you know, you talk, we talk about goals and, and it's a sad spot. It's a sad state of affairs that I see, at least in sales teams is we get towards the end of, you know, we get towards an end of a year, whether that be November, December, and then obviously management starts saying, Hey, we got to start developing our goals for 2019. And everybody puts forth their goals. They write it down. They do whatever, according to whatever's going yeah. on. Team. And then come the end of January, it's like shuffled off to the desk somewhere and nobody revisits it. And it's just an exercise in pure futility. And then how do you even know where you're at six months from now? If you don't go back to the goals that you've set out, it's just like, you know, in the world that you came from, it's like having all these goals and then you start spring training with the goal of winning the world series. And then by June, everyone's forgotten what the goal is. Yeah. And I think if you could, that's the other thing, right? Too many goals. Well, when I work with people, it's also coming up with what's the most important thing. What's that number one thing where I call it the elephant in the room, where if you address that elephant in the room, it'll knock down five other dominoes. So let's figure out, you know, what our, what our, our real goal is and keep that in front of us and work, work, work to achieve that. And you may end up knocking off some of the other ones at the same time, you know? So it's just, you know, keeping it in front of you and not, moving on to something else until you've already achieved what it is that you're looking to achieve. And, you know, the big thing that makes professional athletes and athletes different than I, what I see in the business world is that a lot of these athletes and a lot of these pros, they're super focused on the process mm-hmm. and they know that the process leads them to the big goal. So they're not trying to hit a home run every day. It's single, 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 and over time, they put runs on the board. Um, and over time, if you hit enough singles, you have a great batting average. Mm-hmm. If you have enough singles, you get a lot of RBIs. You have a lot of singles, you know, you end up helping the team win. You know what I mean? So you could kind of use that whole analogy to, 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 to get greater insight into how you're running your sales organization as well. And um, you could most certainly run a sales organization much like a sports team. That's <laughs> so strong. Well, hey, I'm going to let you step on some toes here for a minute. And by toes, I mean probably my toes. And that's chapter seven. You said you've got to be fit to win. How does that apply to this sales profession? Well, whenever I speak, you know, at conferences and the companies, I make it really simple. I always say energy wins. So if you have more energy than the guy next to you, that guy or gal, they could be smarter than you. They could be better than you. But if they're fatiguing out and dealing with stress and anxiety and fatigue and, um, you know, they're out of shape, their mood is up, their mood is down, their energy's up, their energy's down, and you're able to train yourself, much like an athlete again, mm-hmm. to have sustainability, to have um, mental acuity and, and, and the ability to resist mental and physical fatigue, right. you could just straight up outplay your opponent. You could outplay... Mm-hmm out hustle and out work other people um, because what's going to be fatiguing to them won't be fatiguing to you. So if you have to go get that deal done, you know, you'll be the person that could jump on the plane and go get it done and come back tomorrow and be all right. But you have to train for that. You know, so many salespeople, the stereotypical sales guy that I see, 
you know, he's got his shirt in the back on top. He's got stains on his shirt. Um, you know, a, a big boiler in the middle of his body. And, and that's not what we want to see. I mean, you need to polish up, get yourself ready to go and bring energy to everything that you do. And that's why I say you got to be fit to win, but energy wins. Yeah. yeah I thought it was interesting how, um, how you were talking about how, you know, sports team like the Yankees is going to have personal trainers, coaches that are going to help make sure, you know, the biggest asset of the team, which the players are, are performing at peak performance yet at a corporate level, you know, our corporate athletes, which are sales professionals, I mean, they're the ones out there getting it done, closing the deals, winning the business. Um, you know, we, we just beat them up. I mean, we, you know, we ride them, uh, whip them and get them, you know, out there more. Yeah. There's not a lot of, of thought about, uh, replenishing fitness, all of those types of things. I think that could be a massive opportunity for a lot of sales organizations to even just talk. Yeah. About well, that, well, yeah. That, that's what I do now. I mean, I'm basically a personal coach, to, you know, again, CEOs, executives, Wall Street traders, hedge fund managers, hedge fund partners, and founders. That's what I do with an audience that realizes I need to be in the best possible physical and mental condition in order to win at what it is that I do. Because in sales and business, you know, you're going to get your ass kicked. You're going to get punched, knocked down, beat up, told no. How do you deal with that? You got to always get back up and come back for more. So you have to train for that. That's something that you train for. So many professionals are sent into the workforce and into the workplace and saying, okay, I want you to play at the major league level right. when they're physically have the same fitness level and mental fitness level as a minor leaguer or a high school player. So you kind of get yourself in the game. And the way I look at sales is you're a business within a business mm -hmm. like that. You have to go out and sell and most of the time it's a lot of shoot, which, you know, um, what is it? You kill what you eat, what you kill. Right. So you got to be out there and Hey man, your livelihood, your, um, your life depends on this. So why wouldn't you approach it? Um, as, as a very, very serious thing. Hey, I train for sales physically, mentally. I learn the strategies. I learn my own techniques. You know, I, I master my own techniques. And when you have all that, now you're firing on all cylinders and you too could become the Derek Jeter of your sales organization, but most importantly of business X, which is business you. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, you know, sales is a lot like baseball because again, it is an individual sport. It's a team sport, but there's an individual me versus the competition component built within the team environment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, Hey Dana, this is, this is all music to my ears. Cause I'm just, <laughs> just baseball analogies yeah. and, and, <laughs> and all that. I mean, I could, I, I mean, we could probably talk for 10 hours just, just on yeah. that. But what's really interesting is I, and I write, and I write about it, you know, in a sarcastic way and selling from the heart because there's, I'm just tired of all the sports analogies and sales analogies that are out there. And I said, and, I, and I'll just draw a simple line and then I'll, I'll kind of share a quick story and get your thought on it is I always tell sales teams, I said, listen, there's a, I don't care. It, you could take all four major, you know, North American sports that are out there and you got to come to work every day and you got to prepare, you got to plan and you got to practice every single day. 
yeah. or else, you know, watch what starts to happen. So what prevents salespeople from planning, practicing, and preparing to do their job every day? And it, and it goes back to, I wrote a blog a couple of years ago, and it, was, and it was, can you imagine a professional athlete with a sales rep's mindset? How that would really work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that, that would be, you know, the, the people that you come across that approach sales very methodically and with a, with a strong process, you know, again, those are your Derek cheaters. And those are the guys that bring huge value to your organization. And when you bring huge value, you also, you know, make the money that you deserve. And again, if you are somebody that brings huge value and you could sell and you could bring home the bacon for the organization that you're a part of, you know, you're going to have such leverage as well. I mean, because mm-hmm. great salespeople are hard, are hard to find. And if you are one of them, man, you, you could be a real game changer and a huge asset for the organization that you work for and represent. I mean, it's, it's hard to find great salespeople. It's very difficult. No matter what the, you know, the sector is. Yeah. So, Hey, I, I got a question for you, Dana. And what, yeah. what would, you know, so throw, you know, so throw your baseball hat on here for a second. So from all your past, I don't take it off. Okay, <laughs> why not? So if, you know, through your experiences, if, if there was some base, you know, if there was some past player, anything that comes to mind, like from the Yankees and they, and they came to, and they came to the work, and they said, hey, you know what? Hey, Girardi, right? Because you were in the Girardi years is, I don't feel like practicing today. In fact, I don't feel like practicing for the next week. <laughs> what would happen? <laughs> well, let me, let me start with this, right? You know where I'm driving though, most, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most, most players, they don't like to practice. Most players don't like to work out and train. They don't like it but they know they have to do it. So they, they, they basically eat their vegetables anyway, because they know that it'll have great dividends for them in terms of their performance. But they, you know, you could go around a, a professional clubhouse. They do it because they know how important it is to them achieving what it is they desire, but they don't love it, but they do it and they do it without excuse. They do it with consistency. They're focused while they do it. Um, so I know I took a little bit of a different angle on it, but they don't love it, but they do it anyway. Mm. And that's where you can't just do what you love every minute of the day. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's things that we all have to do. Again, it's the have to, some people say it's the get to, however you want to frame it. But at the end of the day, there's things you got to do, no matter what business you're in, no matter what level you're at that you don't want to do, but you have to do. Mm-hmm. So get comfortable with that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we, you know we, what I mean? yeah, no, we could just throw it back to prospecting, right, Daryl? I, I mean, if we use that whole analogy, it's, you know, how many sales reps really like to prospect that wake up in the morning all fired up, right? And they go, gosh, I just can't wait to get out in the field and start prospecting. You know, they'd rather stick a needle in their eye. But yeah. it's something it's something that you have to do. And it's that, mi- it's that mindset. You know, you have to prospect every single day. It's non-negotiable. It's just the same, you know, yeah. the same thing as practicing and training and so forth. As a ball player, there might be certain things that you, you know, you don't want to do, but, you know, in all actuality, it's just non-negotiable. Well, you know, if you think about it like this, right? 
most players, they love 7 o'clock. They love 7 p.m. They love it. They get to get on the field in front of 56,000 fans, <laughs> and they get to play the game that they love. But they don't really love everything else leading up to it, and that's the same for, for a salesperson, right? All the things that you have to do before you actually get in the, me- in the meeting and close the deal like a salesperson gets high on, on closing the deal. That's where they get their, their fix. That's what keeps them coming back for more. The same thing with a seven o'clock game, but it's again, everything leading up to that, that gets you into the seven o'clock game that gets you into that meeting where you get a chance to, to, you know, score those runs. But again, everything leading up to that is mundane, monotonous, oftentimes boring work. Yeah, that is not glamorous. It doesn't look good on Instagram. It doesn't look good on LinkedIn. So, <laughs> but that's what gets you to those big moments. That's what gets you to seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. Man, what a fantastic discussion, Dana. This is <laughs> this is so good, and I can't wait to uh, to finish reading this book. I, I can tell every chapter is packed with with wisdom. In fact, I wish. I wish we had three hours to sit here and talk about all of this. It, it's so good. Yeah. It's so relevant. Um, I'm curious though, as we just kind of wrap things up today, you know, and you think about uh, the audience of salespeople that are listening right now, the sales pros out there, um, how would you encourage them? What, what's the one thing that if you could say to a sales professional uh, that you hadn't said already, you'd say. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. A quick, short story. My wife and I were at dinner a couple of months ago uh, in Connecticut where we live, and this older gentleman was sitting next to us. He was probably about 83 years old, and he was kind of making gestures at our table, like engaging us very slightly. And then, you know, about halfway into the meal, we were having a full dialogue and really um, enjoying our meal with this other table. So we get talking to the guy, and we said, hey, what do you do for a living? And he goes, well, listen... I had a textile company. I was the sales guy and my partner was the business and and operations guy. He says, well, my job was to sell. And he was selling us just to have a conversation with him at the table without, (laughs) you know, pushing, you know, just engaging us. We ended up falling in love with this guy. And at the end of the night, he hands us his card and the card says, John Monaco still making it happen. And he said, you know, my card Yeah, he said, you know what my card used to say back in the day? I said, what? He goes, John Monaco, making it happen. (laughs) And ultimately, it it brings me to my advice that I learned from this gentleman. And never forget that you make it happen. You make it happen. So, so many people are waiting for somebody else to make it happen for them. But you get a chance to put yourself in the lineup every single day. But you also get a chance to determine what happens when you're in that lineup and how you're going to approach that honor, you know, that you have of being in that lineup. So you're a sales pro, but you got to make it happen every single day. Don't blame your boss. Don't blame the environment, seasonality. It's the holidays. It's this, it's that. Sales could be made every single day of the year. Yeah. You got to show up and you got to make it happen. And if you don't make it happen, well, you know what? you're going to be looking for another, another job. And you probably should be maybe even a different career because sales is across the board. You got to make it happen. Whether you're selling tickets in pro sports or you're 
you know, selling insurance policies, you better figure out, out how to make it happen. Oh, man. Dude, I love it, Dana. Daryl's going to hate me for this one, but I have one question that I have to ask before we wrap up, before Daryl wraps up the podcast. Yeah. Okay. So in your heart, who's, who represents the National League and the American League in the World Series at the end, in the Fall Classic in 2019? <laughs> I, feel, I feel horrible saying this, but I alluded to it earlier. Um, you know, obviously my heart is with the pinstripes, but I think the Boston Red Sox haven't really lost a whole lot this year, and, and they are the champions. And, um, you know, I, I think they still have a great team with great chemistry, and I also think that the Philadelphia Phillies have a really good chance in the National League. So if I had to place my bets, again, I, I don't want to say it because I'm not a Red Sox fan, but I tip my cap to champions. Um, I got to say the Red Sox and the Philadelphia Phillies, but I'm hoping it's the Yankees and the Phillies. <laughs> oh, did, hey, Dana, did, did, I, I thought I heard you say the Los Angeles Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, you got the, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. Oh, you set yourself up, Larry. You set yourself up. Dude, oh, I man. know. Dana, yeah, thank you, Dana. Thanks, man. <laughs> thanks for yeah. joining us today. Um, thanks for all you're doing out there to inspire everybody. We really, really appreciate it. This, is, this has been so you, encouraging. You got it. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and to everyone listening this week, uh, hey, with their, the registration for Outbound is still open. Um, so go to outboundconference.com, check it out. You want to be there, we'll be there. And uh, enter the, the discount code HEART100 and you'll get a discount on the ticket, uh, which is probably the best investment you could make in yourself this year. It's going to be phenomenal at the end of April. We hope we see you there in Atlanta. Till next week, keep being genuine, keep being authentic, Keep doing the hard work, develop the habits of a champion, and most of all, sell from the heart.